The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon, and behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and cried, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely possessed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word, and his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not fair to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire and her daughter was healed instantly. The Gospel of the Lord. So in uh, Matthew's Gospel, what we often see is this kind of uh, back and forth between different groups of people that reject Christ and other groups of people that then uh, welcome him and long to be with him. And so you kind of, as we progress through the, through the gospel, uh, what you see is this kind of back and forth reactions to the person of Jesus Christ. And so at the beginning of chapter 15, what's happened is that the scribes and the Pharisees have come from Jerusalem to Jesus, and they've come to him with a very superficial complaint. Their complaint of all things, right? So this is Christ whom they're coming to. We have to remember that he's worked multiple miracles already. He's done so many great things. And their complaint is that his disciples do not wash their hands before they eat. Okay. So this is what they want to eventually, as they try to find things to arrest the Lord uh, for doing, we can see eventually the ridiculousness of their case. And so what it shows us is the person of Christ, some things about him. One is that these are the only faults that they're able to find in Christ, right? So of all the things that they could accuse him of, the disciples not washing their hands is one of the things. Now, fair enough, this was one of the requirements of the law, one of the extra requirements that had come uh, later, but they were still missing the point, the why. So the scribes and the Pharisees, they've become very good at the how, right? The how they do things but they've forgotten the why they do things. And so in forgetting that why, they forget the purpose behind all of the exterior cleansings. All of the exterior cleansings were supposed to point to an interior cleansing of heart. An interior cleansing of heart that created a purity of heart by which they could then, as the Beatitude says, see God. Blessed are the pure in heart because they will be able to see God. And we can see that in forgetting the why of the interior actions that are supposed to conform to the exterior requirements of the law, their hearts are then unable to recognize God as he stands right in front of them. 
Their hearts have blocked their vision, their interior vision, so that even though they encounter God in the flesh, they still cannot actually recognize him. And so the Lord then in his uh, infinite patience deals with them in this complaint that they bring against him. And he deals with it with all of the charity that he is, right? He is love. He is patient. But we can see that he does also at times seek consolation for himself in a certain sense. But also what we can see is that what he does in today's gospel, it says that he withdraws from that region, right? So this region where they are coming always to him in in attempts to catch him, where they do not recognize him, where they do not value him. And it says he withdraws from that district to the district of Tyre and Sidon. So it's modern day kind of southern Lebanon, right? So it's that area now that he's making his way towards, which is a particularly, it's pagan area, right? And so one of the things that St. Paul says in the second reading is interesting with regards to the acceptance of the Gentiles over the gospel message. And what St. Paul says is that he says he magnifies his ministry, the fact that he has been sent to the Gentiles. And one of the reasons that he says that he does rejoice in this ministry that he's been given is that it is in order to make his fellow Jews jealous, (laughs) jealous. And so it's the mystery of the psychology and also the uh, interior workings of the human spirit, uh, which is with regards to value. The psychology of value is very interesting. The things that we communally place value on sometimes have the least value in and of themselves. Think of diamonds, right? What is a diamond? It's a rock that we dig up from the ground. And yet we've communally agreed that this has really high value really high value. And yet over the things that are absolutely essential for life, we normally don't value them as much. Think of water, right? So water is much more essential. Diamonds have actually have absolutely no purpose to us outside of themselves. They do nothing. But we place such a high value on them because there is this type of communal agreement of value over particular things. And you can see this right from a young age in human life, right? Think of children. You might have a child who's not playing with a particular toy and has no desire to play with that particular toy until another child picks it up. (laughs) And all of a sudden, that toy now has this great value, right? Great value. Now the child wants to play with the toy that the other child is playing with. And so it's this mystery of human psychology, right? Which as soon as something might be taken from us, all of a sudden now now we value it. Now I want it back. Or else what we see is we see other people valuing something and now the value that we place on that thing begins to increase. And now that is something both that can be misguided in human nature, but it is also something that can be used as St. Paul shows, right? Okay, if the Jewish people are rejecting the gospel message, fine, I'm going to take it to the pagans. And maybe like a child, they might want to pick up the toy that has been taken from them. And so it is interesting because that also doesn't just apply to the Jewish people, it applies to us as well. And sometimes we do not place value on the things that we should value, namely Christ himself. I think that this plays out most poignantly in the mystery of the Blessed Sacrament and the Eucharist, right? In the Eucharist, we have the ultimate gift that we could be given, which is Christ himself. In and of itself, it is also the most valuable gift, but we do not value it as we should because it is the Lord himself And so of all things that should be valued in human life, here is the pinnacle. 
Christ himself present in the Blessed Sacrament to us. And so also we have to make sure that one, we do not undervalue the gift that we've been given, but also we can, like St. Paul, use these type of exterior manifestations of value. So what I mean is, when we sit and kneel before the Lord in prayer, it shows that we value his presence and our actions become a sign to others over what should be valued. And so the vocation of a Eucharistic vocation has a particular power to point out what should be valued most, which is Christ himself. And so what we see here in the gospel for today is that the Lord isn't being valued as he should be. He isn't being appreciated as he should be. And so he withdraws from that region. And you can see in terms of what we see in the second reading, it is that so that he might be made manifest through the faith of one woman, showing how much she values Christ, that maybe his disciples and others might begin to value him more as well. And now what we can see is the wonder of this Canaanite woman. She is one of my favorite characters in the gospel, one of the favorite people to encounter Christ because of the magnificence of her faith. The first point in terms of how we see the beauty of her faith and the way in which she values Christ is the distance that she will go to go and be with him. So she leaves her own region, shows she will also leave what is comfortable for her, and she will go in search of Christ. And Christ himself is the one who instigates or begins this movement, right? It says Jesus goes out from his own region, and she leaves her own region. And the verb in the Greek is exactly the same. They both depart from what is their own. And so it becomes, as one of the commentators said, and I think I've said this before, a beautiful image of the incarnation as the Lord himself will leave what is his own, namely in his kenosis coming down to us. And in that, he also then causes us to leave what is our own and move towards him. And this movement now is going to culminate in a profound work of mercy and faith. She is coming seeking mercy. He is moving towards her in order that he might bring her himself. He is mercy. He is the answer to her prayer. And what happens, it says, is that she comes out of that region. In the Greek, it says, walking and crying out aloud, or as also can be interpreted in the Greek, as one of the commentators points out, walking and screaming. <laughs> it shows an interior intensity to her faith, right? So not only is she going to go to a great distance to encounter Christ, she also has an intense prayer. It's a prayer that's being manifest in this very loud, very kind of heartfelt cry to the Lord. And the verb there in the Greek, it kind of also points to a fact that this is a repeated thing that she is doing. She is crying out repeatedly. So we see all of these kind of different de degrees of her actions or things that she is doing that we can learn from in terms of our own spiritual life. One is to go to great extents to be with Jesus. The other is to also bring to him a heartfelt prayer, a prayer that actually cries out from our heart. And then she says to him, and this is also very beautiful, she says, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely possessed by a demon. And so what one of the commentators points out is that she suffers another person's suffering as her own. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely possessed by a demon. And so her prayer is also full of love. 
she again will be consoled if the one that she loves is consoled. And so it shows this beautiful intention, it shows a beautiful intensity, it shows all of these wonderful things about her prayer that we can learn from in terms of prayer. This perseverance, this right intention, this type of crying out for mercy. But then what happens, as sometimes happens in prayer, is that there is a delay. The Lord does not immediately answer. And so what happens, it says, the Lord did not answer her a word. Now, the Lord is not attempting here to be cruel. As we've said before, the end of this gospel is obviously what his intention is. It is to manifest the depth of her faith. But sometimes in prayer, there is delay in prayer, delay in answering. And the delay does not mean that the Lord has not heard or that the Lord will not answer. It just means he has not answered yet. And so perseverance in prayer is also something that we see from her. Then what we see is not only is the Lord silent, but the very people that should help her in order to, in terms of facilitating this encounter with Christ become the people that try to stop it, send her away. And so also for us, sometimes we can be hurt maybe by the actions of others who call themselves Christians, but yet do not facilitate an encounter with Christ. Now, this is not a judgment on them because we all fail in this regard at different points in our life in not bringing other people as we should to Christ. But it just shows us that we still should persevere despite the silence of God and human failure. These are not reasons not to come to God and not to persevere in our prayer. And eventually she comes to him and she kneels before him in an act of adoration, acknowledging who he is, he is not only the son of David, as she's called him already, but he is also Lord. He's not only man, he is also God. She shows a deep knowledge of him. And now Jesus answers, and he gives her this answer that could appear harsh. He says, it is not fair to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. <laughs> and so what happens, as one of the commentators says, which I think is very profound and right, he points out the fact that she is humble. The Lord gives her a parable of justice. He says it is not fair to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And her first words are, yes, she agrees. She agrees not only that it is not fair, but also that she is a dog. <laughs> she is humble. Her heart and her soul are humble in the presence of God. And she cannot, again, she does not contradict the Lord. But as this commentator points out, he says, she turns his parable of justice into a parable of mercy. She says, yes, Lord. She agrees with everything that he said. She said, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Such beautiful understanding of who she is and of who he is, that even in this manifestation of the justice of God, she also still perceives and desires the mercy. And so she continually calls upon mercy. So she is an example for us of faithful prayer of intercession in the presence of Jesus Christ. That should remind us of a particular vocation, which is the vocation of the sisters, faithful intercessory prayer in the presence of Jesus Christ. And that this type of prayer draws from the heart of Christ in a very powerful way those that mercy that is sought. And so now Jesus turns and answers her. 
unable to resist her anymore. O woman, great is your faith, be it done as you desire, and the power of Christ is made manifest, and her daughter was healed instantly. So you have what this healing of her daughter coincides with the speaking of Christ, because he is God. When he speaks, it is accomplished. And so as he speaks to her these words of healing, her daughter is instantly healed. And so this is the model for us, as we've said now, with regards to prayer, but particularly prayer in the presence of Jesus Christ. One, we learn from her example to value what should be valued, which is the Lord himself. The other thing that we learn from her, her example is how to petition for mercy in the presence of the one whom we have now begun to value more. May the Eucharistic Lord, as has been the intention of the church for so long from the beginning, may the Eucharistic Lord continue to be more and more valued. May we discover, as St. John Paul II says, a new Eucharistic amazement, because it is from the Eucharist that any type of true renewal must come through the church. Outside of Christ, we can do nothing, but with him, all things are possible. Amen.